You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh. Proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. LFG-Oz.com.au Or you could visit their store in Canberra. It's in the ACT. For all your board gaming needs. And now, on with the show. Well, hello out there in podcast land. It is the season of jolly joy and giving and happiness. And this is indeed the Dice Men Cometh on episode 346. We're here to talk about all your favourite tabletop board gaming and all that shenanigans. I am, of course, Captain Steve. And I am joined, (laughs) as I always am, by my good friend, Garof. (laughs) Hello. And my other friend, Mimark. Uh, yep. Uh, who is this guy, Garth? I don't know. It's Captain Steve. Captain Steve, welcome to our podcast. It's it's actually Leon. Oh, he's <laughs> so clever. I'm a bit nasally and getting oh, over oh, a cold, so I'm a bit cough medicine-y higher, but tis the season. Well, there oh, you go. Is it? Yeah. Ground control the Captain Steve. Yeah. Well, the next episode was the, the Christmas Eve episode. Yeah. <laughs> this is still in December. We're in December right now. Oh, we are in and December. And it's coming out in just a few days. It's but this so awesome little episode we have right in front of us, we're going to talk about... Two little games. One, the hotness in all the Euro Euros at the moment. Mm. And, and not the, so little. No. And the other game, a great one for the holiday season when you get the family around, maybe a few drinks or 20 start flowing. And then, of course, at the end of the episode, what you're all here for is we're going to say who our winners are of our 12 Days of Christmas competition. I can't wait to announce the winners yep. of our 12 Very Games exciting. of Christmas. Uh, I think we all... Uh, quite happy with the high quality of the promotion that we've done for oh, that. Oh, yes. You know, yes. putting up all of those games on the Christmas tree and putting mm-hmm. that out on all the social medias. Yes. Uh, a great picture you put up there, Garth. A great photoshopping skills there of the 12 games of Christmas. Oh, the excellent 12 games of Christmas there. <laughs> this 12 games of Christmas competition was exceptional with, with one minor, but so far undiscovered error. <laughs> And, and, and what, what do you think that might be? Well, with this, like, one of the fundamentals of this 12 games of Christmas is the fact that we're giving away yep. 12 games for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And what better way to advertise the fact that we were giving away 12 games of Christmas than to put out a social media post yep. that had 11 games. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Absolutely solid work there, Garthy boy, for I believe the, the man who claimed to be uh, the Photoshop master only several seconds before that post went out. <laughs> To which we went, well, his computing skills has gone up, his math skills gone slightly down. That's right. But I do absolutely love that even though all of this social media sharing around all the gaming world where we're all about rules and specifics and getting things right, not one person picked up on there being 11 games. And that's a shame because had someone mentioned it, they would have unlocked our secret super you can't count to 12 Garth prize. Yeah. And we would have given away those five copies of Glory to Rome that we just have sitting here collecting dust. All they needed to do was say, um, actually, there's only 11 <laughs> games there. And um, so now those five copies of Glory to Rome are just going to just go in the bin, I suppose. Yeah, yeah I there's no there's, point. There's Burn them in the Christmas bonfire. Yeah, there's literally no point of having them either which way. That's so, right. yeah. the games we're going to be talking about today are the good fun drinking game called Bar Pig and the Euro fun Studio Ghibli looking game Batoku. I thought for a minute you were going to say the good fun drinking game Batoku. <laughs> I mean, Wait, we play it. It pretty much drove me to drink, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, we did start playing at 11 in the morning and we... 
I think we did crack a beer halfway through it. So well, usually yeah. Mark starts before then anyway. Yes, so. that's, well, at five o'clock somewhere, as I believe <laughs> right. is what he normally says. That's exactly Implying right. that it was five o'clock the several hours before. The sun is then. always over the yard arm in some part of the world. And with that, yeah. I think we'll take a super quick break. Come back and talk about Potoku. You're listening to... Hi, this is Amy from Thinker Thema, and you're listening to The Dice Man Cometh. I'm here with Mark, and I've lost my wife. Thank you very much there to whatever Mark put in the edit. He hasn't told us yet, but I'm assuming it's going to be amazing. Ha ha! That'd be one of our fantastically funny listeners or supporters saying something witty like what they just said. Ha <laughs> <laughs> or, or a Patreon ad. Yeah. <laughs> where you should definitely listen to that. Oh yes, Patreon. Support the Dice Men coming on Patreon.com. Get over there. Anyway, Mr. Graffington, I have always wanted to be the god of a Japanese forest. Is there any way I could do that with Euro board game mechanics? Well, Leon, I'm so glad you asked that question. Why now, are you talking like that? That sounds so <laughs> stupid. Am I being derogatory, am I? Possibly. Well, long ago, in the time of our ancestors, during an epoch that mankind has since forgotten, a great spirit inhabited a forest. Its mere presence imbued everything with life, abundance and peace. After its given time, the great spirit would go away never to return. A Batoku spirit, worthy to take its place, would then arise to preserve the harmony of that forest. Ooh. So, Leon, I'm so glad that just out of pure coincidence you wanted to be a Batoku spirit because have I got a game? I imagine so, you do. <laughs> so there has never been nor will ever be a place like it. Magical and spiritual beings inhabit it, remembered today only in legend and children's tales. So the time has come for the great spirit to move on, and one of the Batoku must be chosen as its successor. As one of those spirits, can you prove that you alone are worthy of this incredible honour? That sounds grand. Well, I was trying to remember who amongst us did prove that. And I, I, can, I, I can absolutely tell you who that was, Garth. <laughs> Because normally it's very much not Leon, but I can tell you what, on this occasion, it was old Captain Steve himself over here. There we go. Smashing it out of the park, becoming the new spirit. He got rid of that old one who was looking to retire. He was up there drunk on the podium saying, I never would have taken this job if it wasn't permanent. Kicked him in the butt. And now I'm the great spirit of a Japanese forest. So I'm leaving the show to go do that. Wonderful. Yes. Well, this game by Devere Games and designed by Germain P. Milan is massive mm. and colorful yeah and some people describe it like it's very ghibli ghibli-esque yes certainly and uh on my way here tonight i brought the copy of the game with me from my house and after a day of playing with my son at various different locations when i picked up the Botoku box with said same arm i used to pick up my son i did let out a swear because oh she is heavy with euro goodness <laughs> yeah and this is this is the biggest box from devere games that i've seen like we played and we talked about red cathedral not too long ago mm. and that packs a lot of game into a really Really quite a small box this box is probably three to four times the size of red cathedral three to four times the weight mm. both in game and in physical actual weight and in time mm. that you have to invest in playing it so this game was recommended to us by our very good friend renee and also our very good friend 
and sponsor, who you all know, Charles from LFG. Both of those two guys, very good mates in themselves, had played this and said, you guys have to play it. Charles said, I'm going to send you a copy of it, give it a crack, you're going to want to talk about it. And from the time he told us that, to us playing it and talking about it today, it is now in the BGG hotness and has been pretty much continuously from a week or so after he told us that. So those boys were right Mm. that that it was going to to set the world ablaze. Well, yeah, a lot of people were actually comparing it and sort of Arc Nova. Yeah. Uh, I guess in sort of that that heavy game yep. for for the like 20, the two 20, big hits of the yeah, year basically exactly. yeah and one come out at the smack dab at the start and one right at the end which is lovely so in this game yes Leon you are competing to be the next Botoku spirit to take over the spirit land and all the spirit realm and the spirit forest and be a spirit oh I'll stop you right there Garth it's a it's hardly a competition <laughs> snailed it now move on not I more. just think they oh. should bring out the computer game and be called eight Bitoku. Okay. So I was going to say, normally it's, uh, it's Mark's mic that we like to uh, tone down a little bit, but I think after what you just said, Mark, it's Leon's and yours. I think so. possibly both is a good cancer there. Yes. <laughs> so this game is played over four years. Each year is a four seasons. Yeah. Surprisingly. Or an hour in real time. Exactly almost. <laughs> right. Uh, and each of you are, are competing to become a Batoku spirit. So, of the four seasons, most of them are just either preparing for or cleaning up after the major action, which is all happening in summer. So in springtime, you're basically getting all your stuff. Summer, you're using it. Autumn, you're going, yeah, it's that's fine. And then winter, you're bringing everything back and you, you're going to rinse and repeat for four years. I think it is quite literally, isn't it, that one of, the fr- one of them, like autumn, is just check that the you know, player count is correct. Yep, it still is. Yeah, we've still got three players. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry, not the, oh god, <laughs> not the player count. I meant the uh, turn, turn order. order. Yep. Yes. a whole season just for the turn order. It, it was takes... it was very much admin season, playing the game season, scratch your head season. Yeah, are we still here season? Okay, rinse and repeat. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go straight to the second hour of this game, and the reason for that <laughs> is the first hour is spent setting it up. Oh my goodness, there are. I'll just check the rules. One billion components <laughs> in this game. There's a couple. And as the person who punched and then tried to set up and then set up and then finally got it all set up, it takes some time because mm. uh, you're not just, you know, got a couple of components for this bit and a couple of components for this bit. Like one part has got 32 tiles on it and this other part has got 30-odd tiles and this one's got 24 tiles and you've got to stack them all up. And if you knock over the stack, you start again. So after you get through that, and then you tell your friends, come and sit around the table, but do not bump the table. <laughs> because if you bump the table, I'm going to go. <laughs> then, set up again. Exactly right. Then you get to play. And this is where, you know, <clears throat> the springtime is essentially you'll get cards. Now, each individual player has got a starting deck of, of yokai cards. Uh, and you'll be drawing a, a small hand of those. You'll be actually drawing four choosing one to then go and create a discard pile. And so you've only ever got three per, per season that you're going to be starting with. And the Yokai cards have got a few different uh, aspects to them. They've got a set collection-y side of things where you might want to get the same of a, uh, you know, it's got a picture of a mouse or a picture of a this or a picture of that because that can give you points at the end of the game. Uh, they have different actions that you'll be able to use these cards for. So you want to sort of be programming what is it that you want to try and achieve over this particular year because you've only got these three cards to last a whole year. 
means over the game you only got 12 potential cards that you're going to, at the start of the game anyway, be going with, which is not that many, Leon. Yeah, so it's hand management with a slight bit of deck building-ish, but we say that, I think I picked up one card throughout the game and that was my deck building done mm. and I just kind of switched back and forth between those five cards, but well, it certainly an adds to the experience. Yeah, and I must say that for a, uh, a game that the deck building isn't a huge component, I was very chuffed to see that it actually also has a deck thinning mechanic. Yeah. Which is very nice. Does it ever. And look, the the cards are beautiful. The art is beautiful. This game is a pretty stunning game. I think anyone you talk to uh, and mention Botoku, they'll go, and wax lyrical about that. It looks great. Yeah. This is one of those games that if you walk past that at a convention, I mean, A, people playing this at a convention, they're... They're not going to be going for, for a while. But, um, yeah, you if you'd not heard of it or seen it, you'd walk past it and go... Because, like, the box art is lovely. The box looks really nice. But then when you see it displayed on a table, it's just a just a cavalcade of colour. And Studio Ghibli, like you said, is, is the best example of that in terms of the theme of it. Yes. Just don't bump the table. So, anyway, springtime, you're going to get some cards and you're going to be sort of planning what it is that you're going to be doing. And this is where you then go into the main meat of this game, which is summer. So summer is where going round and round in the table, each of you are going to choose an action. And there are only a couple of actions that you can actually do, which is one, play a card from your hand into your tableau. Now your tableau will refresh at the end of every year and there's only three spots available which is why you have a hand of three cards at the start of the season. Each of the card slots is, in essence, linked to a die. And every time you play a card, it will unlock that particular die that you can then use on another one of your potential actions, which is use an unlocked die on your player board. So what that means is that you're going to be taking your die that you've unlocked by playing a card and putting it onto the board. Are you talking about dice management and dice placement, Garth? Oh, man, am I ever. I mean, that is one thing that every Euro game needs to have as far as I'm concerned. What this does not have, though, is dice rolling. Mm. So put your dice tower, leave it at home. You shan't be needing it for this particular game. I thought, I, I thought you said we weren't going to mention the DT word, or at least not that DT word, on our podcast. <laughs> Continue, Garth. All right. So there's your two actions. Play a card or use one of your, your unlocked die to be able to then put it on the board. Or you can cross the river, which means leaving the game, going to your nearest river, jumping across the other side. Right? Or doing an action with the die that you've just placed on the board, which I'll get into in a little bit because when I just say cross the river, it probably doesn't mean anything particularly exciting just yet. Or, Leon, you can pass. And that will be something that you don't want to have to do, but the season's going to end when everyone passes at the same time. So playing the yokai cards are, are where you're going to start because you've got to play a card to unlock a die to be able to then sort of open up the board. And there are lots of board spaces you can be able to go on. But before we even do that, you've got to talk about the cards. Problem is, there is so much bloody iconography and so many different symbols and so many different actions that you can take Talking about the cards doesn't make any sense until you've talked about the board. Yep. So, there's lots of areas on the board that you can do. Lots of different things. All of which are designed to get you points. Because, oh boy, is this a point salad type of game? Yes, it is. Every single thing that you choose to do will always, somehow, get you points. And it is the player who arguably does that better than anyone else, Leon, 
that will ultimately win this particular game. It is the player that arguably does that better than anybody else, Leon. <laughs> for once. Yes, for once. Yes, that, that day. For the whole game, not yes. just for the first third of the game. Yes, that, that day when we did have an epic game day and played about eight games in a row, I, I won that game. Mm. Yes, you did. So, look, if I went through all the actions available, then this would be one of those three or four hour long episodes. But needless to say, you can construct buildings. You can get new resources like crystals or extra abilities on your little player board. You can buy a dragonfly or two or three or four. And if they connect with the bottom half of a dragonfly, they'll give you some bonus points. There's so many different things that you can choose to do. Like also walk your pilgrims along a path or you can do some other stuff, but I'm not going to go through all of that because there are videos that you can watch that tell you how to play this game. I don't think that's necessarily a benefit to, to our particular chat mm. right now. Basically, have you played a Euro game, right? Right. Remember one of the actions or something you did on the board during that game? Yeah, that. You can probably do that in this game. Correct. Yeah. And you can do it everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and your board will show you the kind of actions that you've got available to you. They can show you why you would want to do particular actions. Uh, one of the things you might want to do is unlock some pilgrims, mm. which are these tiny little double-sided tokens that you've got with a, a sort of a sleepy side and a wake side, and that's really cool. Uh, very good. Uh, and you need them as the game progresses because they're going to hang out near some magical rocks. You've got to lock a rock. Exactly you right. You need a rock lock. Which is something that you can go to on a space. So anyway, you'll play a card. You'll do all of the things on the card. It'll unlock the die. On a future turn, you're going to use that unlocked die to then go to one of the riverside's spaces. And this is where, again, you can use the die. And depending on the number of pips on the die, the action you get becomes increasingly more powerful from one through to six. So, for example, if I want to go and build a building, I can go to this particular area. And if I've only got a really low numbered die, I might be able to buy a building that has a relatively low valued power because the buildings all have a die symbol on them. And if I place a two there, I can only build a building that has a two or a one on it. So you're not necessarily wanting to use those lower value die, but you will get them because everyone starts the game with three die, a number one, a number two, and a number three. And that's what you're going to have. You're not going to be rolling these die throughout the course of the game. And I must admit, this is definitely one of those games where... You're not seeing many high-value dice, that's for sure. And I did want to ask another question, Garth, while mm. I'm talking on the microphone. Why would you build a building, though? I mean, it sounds like a fun thing to do, but if you're in a Japanese forest, is there any room for buildings? Well, there is, and there's actually building spaces assigned to all of the different worker or spot areas that you can go to. So you might want to build a building that's connected to the movement section because what it means is any player who then goes and triggers the movement section if they have the right number of pips, can also then activate your building and get two things for the price of one. And if you've built the building, Mark, oh, yes. you get a little something as well. Yes. Whether it be a victory point or an amulet, which is basically a modifier for your yep. die, or an amulet and a victory point, or maybe you get to place one of those... Um, they look like a ball sack. What are they called, Leon? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the look like a ball sack things were the 
Oh, it was a little cute little kawaii name for them that I can't remember off the top of and my head. And they, they made you move up the ball sack track. Yeah, that's the thing that I dominated. They were like I dominated. Eight, eight different ball sacks. I think they're called Kadamas. Kadamas, oh, I dominated in the ball sack. You Kadamas, guys are not professional. No, no not in right. the slightest. But yeah, there's so many different things you can do, but it follows the trend that nearly every, not even just Euro games, but any board games that have followed of late, is that everywhere you go, you will get something. Even if you go, I've got this one that I can only really go to this place that I don't really want to go to. It's going to move you along some track that's going to give you either your virtue points at the end or some resource that you might not think you need now, but you're probably going to need sometime down the track, even if it's not in your current plan. So it's always good. You're not throwing away your turn. You've always got something to do. It's often plenty of different things to do. Yeah, that's right. And because you're card play is not really being too impacted by the other players like you know I, I play the card no one can block the spot on my tableau the actions i've got they're going to be of, of varying degrees of power depending on the, the card i play and look obviously if mark if you've already built a building and i play a card that allows me to build a building i'm not, not, not going to have as many choices as i would have before but that's where the game is Yes. You know, do I want to play all my cards straight away as my first three actions so that I've got three dice unlocked so that I can then go dice heavy? Or do I want to make sure that I'm playing one card to get a dice out straight away? Because, going back to my action about crossing the river, this is where the tension sort of comes into this game. Mm. Because while there are numerous spots on the, the southern side of the river for the die. So the only real decision you've got to make when placing a die is that you want it to be of at least the same or a higher value than any other die placed in that particular section. Because if it isn't, you don't get the bonus, that you, the a bonus action sort of thing. But when you cross the river in a three-player game, for example, there's only two spots mm. to be able to cross there. Now, crossing the river sounds genteel and la-di-da and just another way to take your die in a canoe and cross it across the river. But it's not that because you pay a price and the price is lowering the value by one. Mm. Or if you've somehow, by spending three, four, five points of amulet and got a six, you have to halve the value to a three. Yeah, but as you said before, Garth, the, the tension in this game, which is a, the perfect word for it, is along that normal side of the river for the worker placement aspect. That's where you're sitting there the whole time biting your nose going, I have to go to this spot to do the thing I want to do. And I know I've got this value of die and I can see the other value of die than, my, than everyone else on the board. At least I, I, I like that aspect of this game that it wasn't, I'm looking over at Garth's player board. He's got 20 different things going on. I don't know what the hell is going on. I can see his die. I can see Mark's die. Yep. I know, right. I could probably get to that location, but if Mark goes there first, he's got to die a pip above me. I'm going to be screwed completely. So there's there's a heavy tension that obviously you've got this lovely little theme in front of you with little animals and foxes and ball sacks running around the place, <laughs> and you think that's good, but yeah, the, the tension is quite intense, funnily enough. Hey, it would say it's palpable. Yeah. Yes, and then of course there's the whole crossing the river, and I'm. Is that what you're going to tell us about now? Because that's that's exciting time when you cross the river. Well, crossing the river is is one of those reasons where you don't want to be spending your cards early. You want to get a dice out there so that you can jump ahead because crossing the river gives you access to, to a couple of quite powerful actions that you'd otherwise not be able to do. One of them is to get a new Batoku card, which is something that is very, very important. Batoku cards will, will go along the right side of your player board and they essentially form a path 
that one of your spiritual mystical beings will go along. And it's essentially a set collection game. The more different colored Botoku cards you get in your path, the more multiplier of points, think dumplings in, uh, I guess, Sushi Go, for example. And also, as you're walking along that path, each individual card has bonuses, whether Mm. it be victory points, whether it be some resources, whether it be something or other, whatever it is. You want to get those, and especially as you're getting probably in that last third of the game, where you will be competing with Botoku cards for players, every single player goes, that's the card I need. Yes. I've got a blue, a yellow, a green, a red. I definitely need that silver one. I need to go there. Yeah. Or the lovely thing where you go, that's the card that Mark needs. (laughs) Or Garth. Or from what I remember happening, that's the card that Leon needs. (laughs) You can tell in the last turn. And that's the thing with a lot of these Euro games, especially with me as someone who doesn't play them as much as others, I often have to really focus on what I'm doing. Don't even have time to look at other people's boards to see what their plans are. With this game... In that last round, I was kind of almost the complete opposite. I knew vaguely what I needed to do. So my focus was all on what you guys were doing and hoping that you wouldn't kind of go and screw up my plan along the way. So I thought that was interesting, that the game was at no point overwhelming to me. That's like, I've just got to focus on what I'm doing and learning the rules of this game. By the end of it, it's one of those games that after the first round, it all like, oh, okay. Like, it's all right in front of me. It's like a... Um, it's like a Shem Phillips game, basically. Once you've got the iconography down, which is all in front of you on your player aids and whatnot, mm. you can go, right, let's let's rock and roll from there. Yeah, you're spot on. So you want to get these Botoku cards because they are worth, you know, maybe 25, 30 points, yeah, depending on how how long you, you get your path at the end of the game, which is, which is quite good. Do you remember what your final score was, Leon? Uh, 100 and something, 120, 130? It was more than you two. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was over 100 or something, which again, the board only goes to like 70 odd. And by the end of the game, we'd all got to, I can't even remember what it was. It was like, I think we all got we all got just around and you were just around a bit more in that in that 100-ish, I would say. And about, yeah. was it a third of it was during the game, but then the rest of it was end of game scoring? Or maybe half and half even? Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. I mean, um, And a lot of different points come from a lot of different places. Yes. Well, everything gets you yeah, points. That's right. yeah. So the Botoku cards get you lots of points. You cross the river, and another thing you can do is get more yokai cards, which are the cards that you're going to start each round with. Now, the good thing is if you get them, they go straight into your hand. Mm. So if you've been able to cross a die, sorry, cross the river with a die, you get the yokai card, and if you've still got spots on your tableau, you can then play it straight away, which can become incredibly important in an otherwise not-so-important season of autumn uh, where you get to potentially lock a card away. You get yeah. some initial points and then keep it away and, and go from there. And a lot of those yokai cards were basically more powerful versions of the base ones, so it's great then to be able to get access to a more powerful version and lock the more less powerful one away but you could you still get points for it yeah exactly it's like you know you, you, any deck builder you start with your, your bog standard cards you want to upgrade those and, and thin out the, the, the wheat from the chaff yeah and depending mm. on the action of the cards you could specifically go right i like to say this fox card i've got in my hand i want to get an upgraded version of that and then that could determine how you play style is for the rest of the game and the other people at the table could go in a similar route or they could go for a completely different route in their kind of small amount of deck building that they do. So everyone was playing it slightly differently. But it's always good that any time we play a game like this that we got to the end of it and our scores were all relatively close. That's what you want. That's when you know that a balance that of people going to different locations doing different things. It's not the, oh, by the way, if you don't go up this track during this yeah. three, four-hour game, you're buggered. Mm. Then you kind of go, well, game's a little bit 
broken. If that's the case, they should have made that crystal clear. In this one, a bit of everything is still going to serve you all right. Yeah, it will. Yeah. Uh, and that's part of the challenges of this, is that I can do a bit of everything, but what's the most efficient, efficient bit of everything? Yep. So, the other thing that you can do when you cross the river is you can, surprisingly, do a bit of everything. Mm. You can move your Kadama a bit. You can get your rocks off. You can get a, a new vision card, which is essentially you need to have achieved some things by the end of the game in terms of built some buildings, connected some dragonflies, done a few bits and pieces. Essentially, some more end-of-game scoring. And, and, and really, that's all the actions that you're going to really be doing over summer. So individually, as you've said, Leon, they're not that complicated. No. You'll either play some cards, you'll move some dice onto the board, or you'll get the dice across the river and do some more actions. In autumn, you're then going to be choosing your turn order. You're going to be able to then put one of your played cards aside. Each card at the bottom tells you uh, some scoring. So it might be, you know, you get three points for every card that you have that has a picture of a fox on it including itself up to a maximum of 12 points. Or it might be something or other. Kitsune. <clears throat> Kitsune to you too, Mark. Yep. Or it might be something else. Uh, and the good thing is, is Kappa. you then... That's a turtle. You oh, then put it away. <laughs> so you leave it face up in your, your tableau. It's not going to cause, oh, sorry, you know, be used at all throughout the course of the game, but it still counts mm -hmm. at the end of the game towards any set collection goals that you're going for. And then winter is essentially bring everything back, clean up the board, try again. And then you go to spring draw some cards, keep going and keep going until you get to winter of the fourth year where you then don't go back to spring. You go to the ascension phase and you score points mm. and you score points for doing this and you score points for doing that and you score points for the other thing you did and then you score some points for that bit and then you score some points for the other stuff that you did but you didn't do as well as the other player and then whoever did the most of those gets the virtue points and gets to be the new Batoku of the Batoku forest. Yep. And that happened to be Leon. There you go. And everyone was shocked. Yes. Yes. 66% of this room was absolutely shocked. <laughs> and I was one of them. Yeah, Mark so, always had faith in me, I'm sure. So look, this game is massive. This game is big. This game is long. It took us several hours. And look, admittedly, while the game was set up by the time that you guys arrived, it was still a pretty involved teach. Because you have to go through all the various sections. You have to go through all of the different ways that you can score points, of which there are lots because everything matters. You do need to have these chains of turns where you go, okay, I need to play this card in order to unlock this die to be able to put it there to do the thing, to be able to then cross the river to get that card, because I need that Batoku card to go here, because by placing that one card there, it's going to increase my Batoku path from being six points to 10 points straight away, plus all the other points I've earned along the way doing those various actions. And that's where the complication of this game is. It's in that sort of chain management of, I need to do the actions. What's the most efficient way to do it without being screwed over? A lot of people compare this to heavy, heavy Euros. You know, you have Vital Asertas and what have you. And I don't think it's that. It, it's not that no. complex at all. The complexity is in, I need to do a series of quite simple actions in the right order. And if I don't do them in the right order, it's not going to be the end of the world. I'm still going to have a decent turn, but I'm not going to have been as efficient as I should have been. I think the complexity comes down to, we talked about it as we were playing it, is that it feels like a game that has got the first expansion in it already, in that, like I said, there's about 12 different things you can, only on the turn there's only a couple of actions, but there's about 12 different possibilities of places you can go and things you can do. It seems like some of those, not that they're tacked on necessarily, but it seems like you could have taken a couple of those out 
and it would have been just as fine of a game. So it does, I think that's where the complexity of it comes from, on top of the fact that the board is very, very busy and very, very colourful, so you've got to kind of wrap your head around that. We're not talking about just beigeness all over here. So adding those two things together can be a bit of a mind at the start, but once you get cracking and get going, it's got a, it's got a decent flow to it, I think. For me, this was definitely one of those games where I sat down to watch the video and I had to stop it halfway through and go, what, what? And go back and start it again. Now, partly that was because of the terminology, because there's lots of lovely little names. So, like ball sack. Like ball sack. Um, and Yokai cards, Irakura Mountains, mm, Kadama. And look, that that's great for the the non-existent theme non-existent but for me i found it quite confusing and confronting and i had to basically split the video into like three parts and take a rest between each part because there's so much going on so i did come into this game thinking there's too much going on i'm not gonna like it um yeah sort of disengage and i i have to be honest and say once we started playing that falseness of complications sort of fell away and it was much like, oh, I see what's happening now. There's lots of relatively simple things to do. And the challenge, the puzzle, the game, if you like, is what order will I do them to have it be, as you said, Garth, the most efficient to maximize my points? You know, am I better to get that dragonfly now so that when later I get the monkey hat and I make the dragonfly monkey hat pair, then it's going to trigger and do the thing and give me that turn that, you know, took like eight minutes to do because I had to do a thing and then another thing and then that unlocked the thing, which gave me a thing when I did a thing and got the thing and got the other thing. And by monkey hats, you mean Matama tiles. Yes, Uh, then. So So, how many hours did we wait for you to get that bloody red monkey hat? (laughs) That's right. And two was the answer. So, so... I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. However, I do agree with Leon that I think this game could potentially have room to have a stripped-down version, perhaps maybe as an intro game, and then expand later. And I know I know people want heavy, 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 but then the other thing is, as he said, it's... It's not a Lacerda. You don't have to think about, I've got to do this, and then I've got to do this, and then I've got to get this to do that. And it's not all linear like that. It's, I'm going to be doing lots and lots of things. And I guess also in that vein, it's it's not, if I don't do it right, I've wasted 45 yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah. Like and I, don't and get... I can't do the ultimate thing I need to do because I missed getting that monkey hat that was the right color 30 minutes ago. And I've got to go back and reset. Everything you do is yeah. good. It's yeah. just, is it going to be yeah. really, really good? Yeah, well, I think that is almost a perfect review of this game, is that I possibly liked it the best out of all of us, but when it comes down to the art, take that out of the way, because the art is amazing. The game looks excellent. The components are pretty much perfect for what you want this game to be. But in terms of the gameplay and mechanics of this game, I would say this game does absolutely nothing bad. However, I don't think it does absolutely anything amazing either. It does, all the stuff it does well but i could see somebody playing this and go this game has say you know pretend it has a dozen dozen mechanics to it someone could say i would rather play a game that had eight different mechanics and two of them are absolutely low whereas this has got 12 of them that are all done good enough 
So I think that's where a lot of people might fall off. But some people, they might go, I love all these mechanics kind of equally. I'm looking for a game where I do a bit of all these kind of things. Then this is one check worth checking out for them. Yeah, and, and look, there's so much said about the art and, and ultimately the theme. But the theme is not reflected in the actions for me. I don't feel like I'm a spirit. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't know the spirit of moving dice around. And I don't know the, the spirit of moving Kadama up. Nothing more than a points track, yeah. which is just whoever's moved this little Kadama tile the furthest gets the most points. There's no actual thematic connection to a lot of the actions that you're doing. And why is my pilgrim going to sit next to a rock all day and then if another pilgrim sits on the other side of the rock, that makes it like a really great rock? Well, it's a popular rock. Yeah, it's, it's very difficult. It's much better if two people get their rocks off <laughs> yeah. than if one person. Look, don't, don't get me wrong. I I really liked the dicey part of this game, particularly that crossing the river and making, you know, you've got to make sure you've got enough pips on your dice so you can get a good action. But then you're going to lose a pip when you go across the river. The choices when you go across the river, of course, you want to do it all, but you can't say, which one are you going to do? Do you want to do the little the deck building-y bit? Do you want to stretch out your Batoku path? It really had you thinking, and you were really thinking about, well, I want to do it all, and it's all worth points, and I know it's all going to be good, but which is going to give me more points? But there's nothing there, and I guess this is where potentially theme can help you. There's nothing there to guide you, as in, well, this one is going to be a little bit better than this one because of this reason or because of, you know, it fits with the theme or whatever. It's well, I guess that there are the vision cards, though, that, that mm-hmm. allow you to have your play guided for you a bit. However, there's a gamble with those. Yep. Because if you take take more of them, that gives you a bit more direction. I need to build some more buildings. I need to put my pilgrims on some paths. Yep. I need to do some things. But the challenge is you can get yourself sort of stuck with those. And if you don't succeed in all of them... The ones you failed on are all worth negative points. And ultimately, the, the the vision cards might be worth four or six points individually, which is points. Mm. But when you're talking about a game where the winning score is 100 and something points, is it worthwhile taking one of those vision cards and then planning my next, possibly all of my actions for this one season to try and get this card resolved? Or is it just to do a bit of other stuff yeah. and just get some other points along the way? And I don't know the answer to that. I would assume it's been figured out somehow. But it just, yeah, there's... there's I did like, though, that, as you said, with those vision cards, when you first start the game, you don't really know what you're doing. You look at it and go, okay, I know if I do these couple of things early, I can at least unlock this, that something. Whereas come round three and four... I still had those vision cards, but I knew the game by this point and was went, well, I could go after that vision card, or I could just simply do two actions less to get the same amount of yep. points by doing this the other way, Correct. which is like any good Euro game once you've kind of locked it in your head and you can go from there. So for me personally, this is a game that I enjoyed the first time. I think I would possibly enjoy it even more the second time. However, in such a crowded market of board games and people's personal time in general, we always say... That when people say to you, oh, you've got to play it three or four times to get it in your head, straight away I go, well, that's not for me then because I'm not doing that. I don't care what game it is. So the first experience of playing this, I didn't dislike at all. I think the next one would be better. But for some people, they might go, and I'm a feeling I might be sitting in the room with some of them, they might go, this is a one play. It was good. I'm happy to not play it again. I think the other thing too is because there's so much going on, like we, we eventually found 
a good video. Our good friend Nithrania does a great job with his icons. Yes. I can see potentially, probably because he hasn't been paid, but I can see why someone like Rodney maybe hasn't done one because this is going to be like an hour video and it's just, no one wants to sit through an hour video. So again, it's almost creating a barrier for its own entry. Look, I know, and we've already seen, you know, reading through the forums of Board Game Geek, seeing chat on Facebook, there are a lot of people who love this game yeah. for good reason. It's definitely got a lot going on. For me, I think it's got too much going on. On, on the inside left of the rule book, mm-hmm. it says Learning Botoku. Botoku is a game that brings a hefty volume of rules, <laughs> as you can see while holding it in your hands right now. <laughs> That's what it says in the right. rule book. Lovely. And They're that's aware. Af- that's after you've just dropped the hundred and something yeah. dollars because yeah. it looks really, really beautiful on yeah. the on the shelf there. And it does. But I would just hate to think of a non-gamer receiving this oh. present for Christmas because they're into that that Studio Ghibli, you know, yeah. all of that kind of thing. And, and some well-meaning friend or relative has gone, I went to the game store. I saw this and I know you're into my friend Totoro and blah, 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 blah. Here it is. They open the rule book and it's just, it's not going to get to the table. No, but it's again, it's a double-edged sword because how many times we've gone, really, we're trading in the Mediterranean again on a board full of beige, beige and more beige where we're trading wood, wood for more wood. Or Princess Hearts where we're like, oh, finally it's a game that's going to, you know, use these great anime Characters and Kingdom Hearts. Keep that. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. What did I say? Princess Hearts. Princess, Princess Hearts. Hearts Kingdom Monsters. My Come point being is that yes, that although the theme doesn't come across perfectly in the mechanics, you can't fault them for going. It looks awesome, so why not? Anyway, yeah, I think it's good, but not great. Mm. I would play it again, but there's a lot of games competing in that space, as you said, Leon. But anyway, that's Botoku. Let's move on and talk about something else after a break. <laughs> Hello everyone, it's Mark here, just joining you in a break in the action to let you know how you can get more Dice Men Cometh. What? There's more? Absolutely there is. You may have heard rumours of our secret episodes. Well now it's not a secret and I want to tell you how you get access to them. All you have to do is join us on Patreon and not only will you be able to access these amazing secret episodes which our current Patreons have been raving about 90 to 120 minutes of fun and frivolity all sorts of interactions with Patreon listeners and also some red hot top 10s it's a much more relaxed chatty style from the normal podcast and everyone who has been listening has really been enjoying them not only that you get a pair of exclusive dice. When you join up, you'll automatically be entered into a quarterly friends-only board game giveaway. And as I said, you can ask questions and interact with us as part of the secret episodes. And finally, you get to earn the title of official friend of the Dice Men just by supporting us. We appreciate the support so much of everyone that already does. And we love producing these extra episodes for you. I'm sure you would love it if you aren't already listening. So please consider checking out patreon.com forward slash Dice Men Cometh and seeing if you think it's a value for you. Anyway, back to the show. 
Well, there you go. We are back after whatever it was that that was. So thank you for listening for that. So, Mark. <laughs> yes, Garth. You are going to introduce us to a game that is almost as unlike to Botoku <laughs> as the game that you're about to talk about is to Botoku. Mm-hmm. Would you like to talk to us about it? I will talk to you about a game called Bar Pig. Finally, a game about us. That's right. Now, before we talk about how Bar Pig works, we have to talk about who designed Bar Pig. It is designed by a half Dutch, <gasps> half Aussie. My wife. Called <laughs> oh, a very Dutch name of Jono. Jono. Jono Franklin. My wife's not called Jono. And uh, his be. buddy, Philip Melkers. And we have been corresponding with Jono for quite some time now, ever since back in the day when he launched this originally on Kickstarter. Was it called Bar Piglet back then? It's almost like Bar Embryo. It was such a long time ago. <laughs> I think it was uh, 2017 was the first iteration of this. Then it's had one expansion, and now it's got a second expansion. Now, the Kickstarter campaign has just finished. I'll mention it. You can still late pledge, so it's not too late. So if this sounds like something you're interested in, you can get to the late pledge page by via Kickstarter. If you look up Bar Pig and uh, their latest expansion. Yes, or go to the website, which is barpig.eu. There you go. From a European country. Um, and you might even be able to get some special little gifts if you go to that late pledge, courtesy of the Dice Band, which we'll tell you about in a minute. That's right. And you can still get the base game, the After Hours expansion, and... The latest expansion, which is the Great Festival. Indeedy do. Now, what is Bar Pig, you ask? Well, would you be surprised to know, gentlemen, that a game called Bar Pig is about drinking? Yay! Now, you don't necessarily have to be drinking while you're playing this game. Or necessarily have to be at a bar, although it would help a lot. But I can, right? It makes it quicker to get your drinks if you are at a bar. And yes, you absolutely can be drinking while you uh, play this game. And in fact... I think every time we've played this game and we're clocking up the number of games that we've played of it because it is a fun little game that you can play quite quickly. It doesn't quite really matter, though, because every time us three are together anywhere we're drinking. When was the last... Don't tell them that. I mean, it's, they all know by this point. When was the last time us three were together somewhere and there wasn't booze involved? Well, there you go. We do enjoy to imbibe some imbibery. Particularly Christmas time, responsible imbibery. Oh, absolutely. I still have to drive Mark's ass home. Mm -hmm, That's right. (laughs) So, Bar Pig, how does it work? I don't know. You're telling us. It's clever. It is. It's how it works. Because you've got these two little cards. You've got a level card, which has got level one, level two, level three, level four, level five. Yeah. It also keeps track of how close you are to being blackout drunk. Hey. And, or is that part of the game, or is that just a exclusive? How many points you lose? Yeah. And then there's a second card, your level card. Um, sorry, not your level card. Your, your drinks, drinks card. card. I get so confused. It's just the drinking. Um, and that keeps track of how many drinks you have left. And when I say drinks left, well, if you're playing the standard game, what that means is the points you've got to spend on other cards. Item cards. Your currency. Your currency. Yeah, but what I like is there's a variation where the each time you have to lose a drink, you have 
to take a drink. Very novel. Yeah, it's very good stuff. So, what's the theme of this game? If you're a bar pig, well, clearly you're a pig. And look, I'm just I've just got some illustrations here because all the characters they are pigs. Lovely work. But they all have clever names and. There's sort of a medieval Dungeons and Dragons type theme happening here. And there's heaps of characters in this game. There's oh, basically lots. there's item cards and then there's character cards and there is a plenty of both of them. Yeah, and look, let me, you know, there's the barbarian. Yeah. There's the drunk. There's the apothecary, the lagerthorpe, the berserker. Okay. Do you get my drift? The sham Champignon, Champignon, um, <laughs> funny European names, the Rum Roarder, the Pale Aladdin. I like that, Hobbit. I like Pale Aladdin. Yeah. You know, so there's all these funny um, drink the names. Cess, the Pintcess. Pint right, so, so we're pigs as long as well as D&D style pig drunk D&D style pig drunks. But then what are the we bar. doing? In this and what we're doing, Leon, what we're doing. Yeah. Is we're rolling a dice. Oh! Or a die. A die, yes. We're rolling a die. And then the person who wins a die roll gets to do the special ability that's on their character. And I'm not going to read them out because they're all so wild and wacky. But, but, it, but the, it does add this really, yeah. again, it's a really cool social element yeah. to the game because it's not just, oh, I rolled the highest number, I win. It is, I rolled the highest number, I now get to read the ability of my character card, which could be very physical in nature. Yeah, a lot of them are just uh, little challenges that you set the other players. I mean, while we were playing here before, there was a sort of a drinking game thing where you had to do a do a thing and then everyone had to add an extra thing and the things got more and more complicated. Like an action, yes. Yes. Like a patting on your a, head, rubbing your tummy. You know, there was a flicking the card across the room to get it closest to a random thing that you've picked. There's there's crazy things like that going on. Yes, and lots of different word games and things you can play in. Lots of different creativity things, like one of them was tell everyone else to pick something in the room, tell you how they would lay siege to a castle with that item. The best, you know, the worst response loses the round. That's but of right. course, Silly little drunken things like but that. But of course, to add chaos to cacophony of chaosium... Um, oh, that's a different company. Um, you've got... <laughs> Item cards. So after you do the challenge phase, where you have the rolling of the dice and the challenge of the challenge, then you get to go to the market. If you've got drink points, you can spend them on items because each of the items is worth a certain amount of drink points. You have to spend those points. If you run out of drink points, then instead of buying a thing, you get to recharge your drink points, which is basically just flipping over a card, getting a certain amount of drink points back that you can spend later. Get another round in. Because... You might want to buy, Leon, uh-huh. the impoverished armor of cushion blows. Of course. Or the reflective ch- shield of childish insult. Or even the mysteriously discarded half-eaten kebab. Which is we've just all been in- there. We, no, we haven't. You finished that kebab, young man. <laughs> what, what was that great old joke that I woke up with a half-eaten Big Mac in my hand? I know I must have been drunk because how did they not finish it? Yes. Yeah. And, oh, you know, here's one especially for you, Leon, the cloak of douchebaggery. Ah, oh, lovely. I do the like a cloak. Compulsive order of double shots or you get kicked out. So there is an item that basically, it's like a handbrake. 
you have to chuck out your character, get a new one, and oh, it's time to go home. Fix. But that's, that's a simple replacement. You've had enough. One basically. fun card with another fun card, because all these cards are all interesting and fun, like you said, with their names, and they're all the lovely. stolen wallet of endless borrowing, <laughs> the dainty hand of disapproval, the big brown bag of referee bribes. Look, it it just doesn't end. All with awesome fantasy artwork on every single card. It must be said. Well, about. I was going to say that because these are not just sort of the small no. normal deck of cards they are they are oversized almost tarot mm-hmm. card size knowing the market that they're going to be played in they're also laminated and could quite easily survive yeah, take a bit of damage yeah yes. being being played in a public house where there might be some uh, beverages spilt on them for example uh, and it's also quite compact so because it is just admittedly quite a thick deck of cards, but just a deck of cards, mm-hmm. it's easy to stick in a pocket or a bag or a handbag or yep. this or that because it deserves to be taken out and played. And if you play this game in public, I will guarantee yep. that it will draw attention to your group and you will have people, sober and non-sober, mm. wanting to be a part of it. That's right. The Art by Frederick van der Bunt. Clearly some Dutch element there um, because everyone knows what a bunt is. Yes. What We've about got, the art, Mark? Yeah. Like it? The, look, the art is bright. It's colourful. It's fun. It's thematic. Um, look, it's not going to win any awards for being, you know, in the Eno Tool gallery of Eno Toolness. But for a card game where you're sitting at the bar and you're throwing these cards around, um, as you said, there's a lot of colour, a lot of fun, a lot of levity. And. Oh. What on earth was that, Mark? That was the it's stop time to stop talking about this game and tell everyone where you can get it from, Leon. Oh, okay. That was that alarm. I was just going to mention that yes, yes, this game is awesome. A very low level of rules for very high level of fun. And as I said, you can still pre-order the base game and the expansions all on barpig.eu. And for an extra special little bonus, because this episode is going to come out mid-December, because this game is coming from Europe, especially in most of our listeners here in Australia. If you wanted to get this as a game as a gift for somebody that you know that likes a drink or has plenty of friends around quite often you probably won't get it before the christmas season however if you put in the notes of the description dice men rule because we do <laughs> our good friend australian dutch jonathan oh yes and the little pig that comes along with it, uh he will a send you the promos from the first two kickstarter campaign <gasps> which is just what a champion yep. And B, he will send you a personalised little uh, laminate that you can put under your tree to say your copy of Bar Pig for your mate is on the way. So barpig.eu. And anything to do with Australian and Dutch and drinking culture and D&D type fantasy and party games, I mean, it's us all around. We've had this game for quite a while. We've been waiting to have a good time and absolutely tis the season to be playing a game like this it sure is it's one of those games where you can play it for five minutes or you can play it for five hours you play it until it stops being fun yeah the good thing about playing this in a bar environment is that if you do happen to have a few drinks your fun levels stay quite high (laughs) yeah Uh, there are so many characters in this and there are so many different items uh i don't think i've seen the same character over the last couple of times we've played this. And that's even... I mean, mostly we've played the base game because we only just recently got the expansion. And as Leon would say, every <laughs> great expansion, what does it do? Just adds a bit more of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, it doesn't need to make the game more complicated because the game, like I said, it's easy on rules, high on fun. It just gives you yeah. more characters, more ITMs to play. 
fun to be had by all. So Bar Pig, check it out, especially if you frequent a bar. Or like games. Yeah. There you go. Now, of course, just like every episode, even though we're not in the radio studio, somehow we've managed to run out of time. So before we finish... We have a very important duty, Leon. There were some people out there just going, hang on, what's going on? Yeah, They've not done right. what they said they were going to do. Gave them a scare. We, we're going to do the most important thing, and that is draw our competition for the 12 games, not 11, Garth, oh, of Christmas. Thank you very much to everybody that entered, that commented and shared all our different posts and whatnot. We always appreciate it. Anytime this show can get out to more people, the better, because let's face it, it's pretty damn good. And Leon, as the person who kept track of everyone who shared and commented, did you really like it? Did you love the fact that all these people were sharing and liking and made your life so much more busy having to manage all of that? I did. If I have to do the admin of looking at my phone and going, oh, somebody else liked one of the posts on my podcast page. (laughs) I'm glad you And look, before we get into the winners, of course, we have to thank... Oh, yes. Firstly, our amazing sponsor, LFG Australia... Charles and the team, they have been supporting us for such a long time. What do they get out of it? I don't know. But Charles is so amazing. He keeps sending us these amazing games like Botoku that we spoke about, saying, you guys are going to love this. And he's very rarely wrong, Charles, I must admit. I know he's got Renee in his ear. That's part of it. So thank you so much to LFG Australia. Also, thank you so much to Good Games Publishing... Our great friend, Kim, they're putting out some great games, including Too Many Cooks and Land vs. Sea. A copy of each is in this giveaway. We've also got Good Games Australia that has provided games in this this competition. We've got VR Distribution, Let's Play Games Distribution, and even Behold Games, our dice sponsor, who's also provided not just our wonderful custom dice, but another game to give away. Those six amazing sponsors and supporters, thank you so much. Whatever you can do to support them, we would appreciate and they would because they really show the love for this little Australian podcast. They are the creme of the crop of the people in Australia that put out those board games. And a lot of these people that we're going to mention out, some of them come from our socials, That some of them we don't know very well. Some of them they might be even new listeners, so hello to them. But others are some of our our hardcore Patreon people. And if you went, uh, you were on from Patreon, you got automatic entries into this competition mm. because our Patreon's amazing. And anyone that's listening to this by this point that isn't on a member of our Patreon, what are you doing? It's yes. the best thing that we do. We're going to record an episode in a couple of days where we're probably going to get quite drunk and sweary. Hey. That's generally how it works. However, all right, time constraints. Yes, we, twelve names. We pre-recorded. Sorry, we we pre-drew the the winners oh, yes. here because we can't do it live on air. Yes, exactly. Leon's got the magical list of winningness, I and do. Leon, in an order of your choosing. I'm going to start with the cream of the crop, the number one himself. Wow! I just gave it away to him. I'm afraid <gasps> it is. Craig Westbrook. <gasps> you are the number one draft pick, sir. You are the Shaquille O'Neal of this giveaway. <laughs> Not a dated reference at all. Well, I don't know any other number one draft pick since then. LeBron James. There you go. That was still 20 years ago. So Craig Westbury is number one. Number two, we have Kevin Ho. Oh. Yes, from our Facebook page. Number three, we have Ron Harrop. Ooh. Good old Ron. Number four, we have Tim Morton. Oh, you know him. You love him. I do. Not when I'm playing games with him, though. Number five, we have Stephen McPherson. Ooh. Number six, 
we have Craig Summerton. Two Craigs two in the top Craig. six. What? Number seven, we have Tegan Smith. Oh, Tegan. Who we gave something to uh, from our Patreon competition not that long ago. Well, she won it. Well, of course it's she did. Fair, fair to say she did win it. Very, very lucky, clearly. Uh, number eight is James Robinson. Number nine is Matt Gleason. Is that James Roberts? Roberts, sorry. <laughs> James Robinson, he, you won nothing, son. You won nothing. <laughs> yes, nine was Matt Gleason. Hello, Matt. Uh, number 10 is Jay Bendix. Number 11 is Caleb Stoddard. And number 12, who's going to get the last game out of the group, as well as an extra game, because <gasps> we said we were always going to do that for the person mm-hmm. that got the old one right at the end. So it's a baker's dozen that yes, we give away. Yes, is Steve Smith. Oh, so, Australian captain Steve Smith. <laughs> so all the people that have listened to this with bated breath, Mark is going to put this episode up somewhere in the mid-ish of no- November. Does November. December. December. Crying out loud, Leon, what are you doing? Uh, and then I will get in contact with everybody within a couple of days after that, starting with, of course, Craig Respry and going from there. So you might not get the games exactly by Christmas Day, I'm afraid. However, by the new year or somewhere close to it, all of you will be playing a new game pr- courtesy of the Dice Men and our lovely sponsors. Absolutely. And on that note, uh-huh. I think it's time to get out of here because it's almost Christmas. There's more Bar Pig to be played. There's presents to be wrapped. There's games to be wrapped to be sent to people. And a little bit of sting for next episode. It's going to be our top 15 games <laughs> of the last two years because we didn't do a list last year. So That's here true. you go. Top 15 of the last two years. But Let's all, get out of here. Oh, good. Thank you so much for listening to... The Dice Man Cometh! See you later. Bye. You've been listening to another episode of The Dice Men Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. Be sure to check out lfg-oz.com.au for all the details of their online and physical retail store, you can find us at dicebencometh.com or on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon too. Thanks for listening.